This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio, with thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us on the podcast uh, once again today. On these Tuesdays, we talk with Alan Horton. He is the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And Alan, I wish I could start out on a more positive note but since we last talked the Timberwolves have lost three games in a row now Phoenix and LA they're they're good teams the Lakers are coming together AD is a as a quality player but the Portland loss uh oof that was a tough one yeah it was a tough one it was embarrassing it was uh you know there are a lot of different adjectives I think we could use to describe it and I think they'd all be true I think that's um you know, it's something that Chris Finch during his tenure with the Wolves has been quick to admit, too. He's, he's not afraid to call something, uh, you know, that was pretty pathetic effort exactly that. Um, you know, he's very straightforward about it, and I think that actually helps in terms of um, trying to move on from it because that's, you know, that game is now over, and there's nothing else you can do about it, and it doesn't do any good to keep talking about it. Um, it, it, was, it was an awful performance at the biggest time of the year, um, and hopefully doesn't speak too much uh, about – where this team is as a club, as a, you know, it's just, it's just mind-boggling performance against a team that was clearly tanking, was out without eight or nine players, um, and the Wolves had their full complement and couldn't beat that team. It was just, um, you know, it was one of the worst losses against the spread, and I don't get into spreads very often, um, and this is probably why, because I, I don't know how you can put a number on how how, how uh how you, you think one team can beat another by a certain number of points, but that's a whole different story. But it, with that being said, it was the worst loss in 30 years against the spread. I mean, it was that one side of the game. It should have been a Wolves win. And um, now you try to move on from it and try to regroup here for the final three games. It's it's a team dynamic, right? I mean, clearly they were the more talented team on the floor on Sunday. So it, I, I always hear about, you know, who's the man on the team? Who's the go-to guy? LeBron is always the guy with whatever team uh, he might be on. And there's others that are alpha dogs as well. Who do, do the Timberwolves know who their alpha dog is within the team? Do they know who the go-to guy is, whose team it is, or do they not worry about that? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know that they have one guy. I think um, sometimes Carl can be that guy. I think sometimes Ant um, has kind of taken on that role, especially this year without Carl in the lineup for so much of the season. Um, I think veterans like Kyle Anderson and Conley certainly have a voice, and I, and I just asked Mike Conley about this today after shoot-around about it. Um, he was telling me that, you know, a number of guys spoke up. He said something, Carl said something, a lot of guys spoke, even the rookies spoke, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe there is a positive somehow uh, of coming out of this game, um, into a better place. And so I think sometimes it is well-defined who that one leader is. Other times I think it could be multiple players and, and other times maybe it's more the head coach. Um, I think there are a lot of different scenarios based on, uh, with different teams based on, you know, who they've got on their roster or what kind of veterans they have, what kind of coach they have and all that. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like they're still trying to figure out the offensive schemes with Towns, Gobert, and Edwards all on the floor at the same time. They honestly haven't had that many games together to try and, and figure this out. And when you have 30 shots from the floor for Ant and three, and, you know, free yeah. throw attempts, two for Towns, that seems a little unbalanced. It does. It certainly does. And it's, um, I don't know that anybody has a real reason as to why that played out the way it did. Um, and, and you're right. So it's, it's, it's that, that question you bring up is something I also asked Mike Conley today because Mike's been in Memphis and Utah, right? He's been in both those places a really long time. Mm-hmm. And Utah was really good offensively. 
um, during his stretch there. And, and, but they, and, and Memphis was probably be better defensively than offensively, but in both regards, you got a consistent effort. Um, those teams knew who they were. They played to a certain standard and they did it night in, night out. And the bottom line is the Wolves haven't had that many practices. They haven't had that many games together. I think Conley and Cat are now at five games together. Hmm. They've had one practice together and today was their first shoot around together. So they, they really don't have any chemistry. They don't have any continuity built up. Um, and this is not an excuse for how things might go the rest of the season, whether it's just a regular season, play-in games, postseason. Um, they're just not going to be able to develop that kind of continuity and chemistry until until you get more games under your belt. Uh, Mike said his first year in Utah was almost, you know, not a throwaway season, but they didn't click until year two. And that's those numbers you can you can – you can back up his comments by looking at his numbers with Rudy Gobert. It took a, a, almost a year for them to really hone the pick and roll and work together and play off of one another, be able to read each other's thoughts. Um, you know, sometimes it's just a little simple miscommunication that can lead to a turnover. And if you can eliminate that, boy, all of a sudden that, that changes your dynamic because your time, your tur turnovers are down, your offense has a chance to be more effective. Um, and so it's, It'll be interesting to see going forward um, where that chemistry goes to. Because when you have chemistry and continuity, now you're performing at a certain level every game. And I thought the Wolves really did that the second half of last season. They played at a certain level every single night. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to win all those games. But uh, you go 30-16 and 16 like the Wolves did from January 3rd on last season. Um, they, they played a very consistent second half of the year. And they won, you know, what, 67% of their games. That's a really good stretch. Um, and when you don't have that continuity – you get you get variables. You get uneven performances in an offense that can look really good uh, when you win five out of six games uh, or win four in a row. I guess it was mm -hmm. uh, can all of a sudden look pretty poorly when someone throws a zone at you. You throw it throws you out of whack, um, and you now have three straight games where your offense is uh, you know basically it's below league average. Mm -hmm. It, it, I've, I've talked with you before after, you know, tough performances after a, a little win streak, uh, and you've mentioned that sometimes it seems like the Wolves kind of start to feel themselves a little too much and maybe um, aren't as focused on the opponent right in front of them as they should be. It seemed like that happened against Portland. Yeah, it's, um you know, I don't know whether or not they get too high on themselves or they just expect themselves to win. Uh, it, you know, it's just happened too many times, not only this year, but in years past too, this has been something that the wolves kind of have always done. And it's just, you know, I just think it goes back to like what I just said about a, expecting a certain level of play. And, and it doesn't even matter who you're playing. It doesn't matter where you're playing. When you step on that floor, whether it's for shoot around practice or games, you're set, you're ready to go. You all have the same mindset and you're going to play, come out ready to play at the opening jump. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason that that doesn't happen or hasn't happened this year against the bottom five teams in the league. They just have, they have 10 losses against the bottom five teams yeah. in the league, three of them against the Blazers. And it's just, um, you know, we said it, uh, you know, we said it when they lost to Detroit twice and to Charlotte twice, that, that there's just no way you're going to get to the end of the season, and not look back and say, man, it would have been nice to have a couple of wins against these bottom feeders. Um, and if you had, uh, you know, even two or three more wins, guess what? You'd be not only, not in the plane, you'd be in the top six. And if you win half those more games, you'd find more wins. If you go on uh, instead of five and 10, you go 10 and five. Guess what? You're in the fourth seed. Like you're, you're that good. Like that's, that's a huge, huge swing. And I think we knew it at the time with all those losses piling up that it would come back to bite this team, no matter where they finished in the standings. 
Yeah, and and it's strange. What I think five and ten is the record against those bottom five. I was kind of yep. looking at that myself, and yet they have wins against the Kings. They have wins against Denver. They've beaten really good teams at the same time. They really are a team that plays to the level of their competition. Yep, and that just goes to not approaching the game the same way for whatever the reason. It just doesn't happen. They let down. They don't uh, come out with the same focus intensity. Um, you know, they look absolutely flummoxed that Portland came out of the zone the other night. And that's just, um, A, you'd have to ex- a, expect that they're going to go into a zone. They've got a mishmash of people out there on the floor that haven't exactly played together. Uh, they're not exactly world beaters. They w- they're not even starters in the NBA. So you have to expect that they're going to play a zone. And the Wolves just, just got bogged down, couldn't gain confidence, took them out of their rhythm. And that sometimes that's all it takes. And the, and the Wolves were never able to break Portland of the rhythm that they got into early. And that's that's also been the story is that once you leave, let a team get hot and get comfortable um, and feel pretty good about themselves, guess what? They got a chance to win the game. They can see that finish line. They can they can smell smell the smell the blood on the floor. And they are, uh, you know, they took advantage of it. Yeah, because after all, it's not the players and the coach, Chauncey Billups, is a winner that's trying to tank. It's the front office and management that's trying to tank games and, mm-hmm. and uh, count those ping pong balls, uh, as you like to say. You give, like you say, you give those players, they're trying to win their next contract. Some of these guys are G League call-ups. They're trying to stick in the NBA. They have a lot to play for, those players. Absolutely. There were a couple of guys on 10-day contracts that uh, only got called up because Portland was in that situation. They're starting point guards. Skyler Mays has bounced around in this league. Um, you don't think he was itching at the opportunity? He started the last two games. He'd been in the G League all season. Uh, this is his This is his opportunity to show that he can uh, do some things in this league and, and warrant a new deal. A guy like uh, G. Nathan Williams, who was signed, uh, played had his NBA debut the other night, and even though he had some three fouls in the opening three minutes of the game that he came in, um, he finished with a, with a productive performance. Um, Shaq Harrison's on a 10-day contract, got called up from the G These guys, this is their opportunity. Like, what would we do if we got a call up? You think we wouldn't make the most of it? I'd give everything I had for those 10 days and, you know, let the chips fall where they may um, after that. But, yeah, that's exactly right. These guys, yeah, it's never the players who are looking to tank. Although I did have some questions when uh, Drew Eubanks came into the game late and and it was a really tight game and he threw up a couple of wild shots. And I'm like, huh, did he get some instructions on the sideline? Did he get a text from the GM or something Uh, before he came in? What's going on here? Um because I remember a game when, you know, John Wall came out and was very honest this year about how Houston uh, was tanking during his time in the Rockets last mm-hmm. couple of years. And there was a game at Target Center that Houston had to lead in the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, everything shifted. Uh, the, the, it went from black to white. The lights went from on to off. It, he started turning the ball over. And I remember the Wolves finished the game on some kind of ridiculous run, like 25-2 to two or something. They basically got orders to... Uh, hey, we're not supposed to win this game. And they went from a Rockets lead to Timberwolves victory real quick. That was That's probably the most egregious. I, I'd, I'd actually be interested in looking back at that game and see hmm. see if you can pick out some, some, some errors along the way that may have been intentional. But uh, that, was, that was during John Wall's, I think, one year there in Houston, and then they sat him after that. But, um, you know, he, he, had the, he had the marching orders. He knew what he was doing because hmm. he was a much better player than that. That's a little disturbing, Alan, to hear that, that teams are, that players are actively, I mean, how's that different from a point-shaving situation? Well, yeah, that's that's exactly right. It, take, it calls into question the integrity of the game. Yeah, um, uh, It's not, you know, again, he's just, the players are just following orders. Yeah. Um, he was, you know, he knew the situation going in, but I, I think that game in particular, you don't have that kind of swing 
uh, in that kind of time period at that point in the game um, after you've been playing so well. And I, I just, I don't know that he was responsible so much for it, but he certainly led the charge. Uh, but he knew, he knew what the, the, the Rockets were trying to do. And that's, um, you know, whether, whether he got word or got a message on the sideline, I don't know, but um, since he spoke so freely about it this past year, I would love, I would always love that. That game has always stuck out to me because I've seen a lot of basketball games and that one in particular had like the most wild, obvious swing that you've ever seen. And so um, I'd love to talk to him about that game in particular because I, I found that fascinating. Yeah, even more reason for people not to bet on games. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I, I can't even imagine if you, I don't even know how it works. You just, if you you were thinking you had the Rockets and points and all of a sudden that disappeared in a hurry. Yeah, that's crazy. Hey, so let's, uh, the good news is that uh, what is the Timberwolves magic number to get into at least the play-in tournament? Is it one at this point? Well, you know, I don't even know if there is a magic number. Uh, no, it because uh, you could, I don't know. No, I, I don't think we're there yet. Okay. I don't know. There's only three games left. That's yeah. a great question. But I, I, I mean, after the other night, you're just like, oh my gosh. I we're, know. You know, the good news is that everybody else lost that night too. That was yep. chasing you. Oklahoma City's in tenth. They're a game back. Uh, Dallas lost. They're like two games back. And even Utah is kind of hanging around. They, they, Utah doesn't know what they're doing. They, they, they started to tank and then they realized they won a few more games. Then they're like, well, we're still only a game and a half out of the 10 spot. Like they've, they've, they've failed to do both, which is probably the worst thing you can do because you're going to have a very, very uh, slim chance if you miss the playoffs of getting, uh, getting the number one pick. And uh, you know, you probably would have been better off fighting for that playoff spot because everybody else above them, Dallas and, and Oklahoma city, and even the wolves to a certain extent have, have, have kind of stubbed their toe here over the last week or so. Yeah, two and a half on uh, Utah. I'm just kind of checking the standings. Yeah. Two on Dallas with three games to play. So, it, you know, it, it wouldn't take too much more. Uh, at least, uh, you know, Brooklyn-San Antonio hopefully is that win, but that's one of those teams they've struggled against, uh, you know, one of those bottom five uh, teams. And then New Orleans to finish it off. So it continues to be really uh, a, a tantamount to playoff basketball here these last three games. Yeah, I guess that's one reason I haven't really kind of looked into what the magic number is, just because the Wolves have lost three in a row and they're and they're playing their worst basketball at the worst time of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, they've 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 not beaten Brooklyn this year. They lost in overtime to them uh, either before or right after the All Star break. Um, and then San Antonio has been a problem. And then who knows about that Sunday game? Whether that game will matter for New Orleans, whether it doesn't matter, whether it'll matter for the Wolves or not. Um, I think there's still so much yet to be determined. Um, and some teams also have a game in hand there because the Wolves play tonight, then don't play again until Saturday and Sunday to wrap up the year. And I think most teams have another game in here on a, probably on that Thursday night uh, before finishing up on the weekend with most teams have a, a back-to-back to end up the season. So we'll see how it all plays out. I guess I guess with the Wolves win and maybe – um, you know, a Dallas and Utah loss, I guess you could, I don't even know if those guys are in action tonight. I haven't checked the scoreboard yet, but, um, I guess, I guess maybe you could, you could theoretically clinch a play in spot. I think that that might be possible. Yeah. It, it looks like it may be a, a magic number of one almost yeah, the Lakers and Pelicans each have a, an extra game, uh, on the Timberwolves. So let's say they finish where they are right now, which is ninth. That's in the playoff tournament. Uh, explain how the play or the play in tournament. I mean, explain how the play in tournament works if you can, for people that maybe aren't aware. Uh, yeah. So the seven, the seven through 10 teams, um, have to play additional games to qualify for the postseason. So uh, the Wolves being the nine seed, they would host the number 10 seed, which right now is Oklahoma City. It's looking more and more like a Wolves Thunder. Uh, that game would be played at the higher seeds home court, so that would be a target center. Uh, if the Timberwolves or whoever wins that game 
Uh, they move on and they play the loser of the seven versus eight. And obviously the seven versus eight loser is going to have a higher seed, so they have the home court. So in this scenario, the Wolves, to reach the postseason, would have to beat the Thunder on the home floor. Then they'd have to go. That's usually on a – these games happen, I think, on a uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday schedule. So you either play Tuesday, Thursday, or Wednesday, Friday. Okay. Um, and so the Wolves would have to play, win at home, and then go on the road to win another must-win game uh, before garnering the uh, – they would only be able to get the eighth seed. And then you're on your road to Denver. Good luck. That's basically uh, how that play- shakes out. Yeah. Uh, the um, uh, Was the play-in tournament brought in in part to try and help uh, uh, keep teams from tanking so much? Was that part of the equation in that? Yeah. Yeah, they, they wanted to create, try to create more excitement at the end of the year, not only um, for, you know, if teams knew they were out of it, well, then they have no incentive to win. Um, so this helped bring in two more teams into the equation, 9 and 10. And then, of course, the trickle-down is that the teams in 11 and 12, hey, we got a shot. We could possibly get in. This would be big for our fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had some more meaning there. And the other area it really play, paid dividends was at the end of the season, oftentimes – Teams that are already qualified for the postseason, they're in that four spot. They're at the five spot. They're in the six spot. Um, those teams could kind of coast for a while, and you wouldn't really, even when they would play each other, you really wouldn't get these entertaining games. You wouldn't have any intensity to them because there really wasn't much on the line. Teams kind of coast at the end of the year, trying to get guys rested up, keep them healthy, wait to the postseason, and then uh, hit the ground running. But what it's now done is it's created a sense of urgency. Um, when we went on this last road trip to Sacramento, Golden State, and Phoenix, the atmospheres, Todd, were incredible. Huh. Um, it was just – there was a big game feel to it. The players sensed the urgency. The players had a sense of urgency in their play. And I think this is why you've seen um, – one thing that's happened over these last couple of months is you've seen a lot about officiating, right? Mm-hmm. And why has it been about officiating? Well, there have been some controversial calls, but it's because you've had competitive games that have meant something, mm-hmm. and teams are hot. And you, you saw a game last week between Golden State and New Orleans – there were almost three fights in that game. They were so intense in that game, and it's because the play-in tournament has, or the play-in games have had this effect that all these games matter, and like there's real stakes on hand. Mm-hmm. And when Adam Silver joined uh, our broadcast a couple of weeks ago, actually it's probably like a month ago now, I said, is the play-in done exactly what you hoped? He goes, no, it's exceeded our expectations. Oh. Like it's been, it's been better than they even could have hoped for. I completely agree because I've seen these games firsthand, whether they're a target center or on the road, games matter. More teams are in it. They're fighting. There's a sense of urgency. And that's when this game is at its best, when when you've got these big-time games and big-time moments and big-time players. Guess what? That's usually going to be a pretty good equation to equaling a a really fun, memorable game. And that's, that's what this game's all about. We try to create those for people, um, whether they're watching on TV, coming to the arena, listening on radio. Um, that's, that's why we're all here. So we might as well make these games fun. Um, and the world and the, uh, and the NBA has done a wonderful job, I think with this play in, in, uh, helping to helping to accentuate that. Allen has the call for us tonight. He's at the Barclays center in Brooklyn, six o'clock, the pregame six 30 with the tap. Allen. Thanks so much. You got it, Todd. Take care. Alan Horton, voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.